The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Welcome to Taking You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. I'm your host, J.P. John Paz from the two-man power trip of wrestling. And of course, joining me is the star of the show, the former eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, the former WWE World Tag Team Champion, of course, one of the greatest trainers ever in the history of professional wrestling, the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Dr. Tom, how are you doing today, sir? John, I'm doing great today. As uh, some may know or some may not know, we're doing this over Memorial Day weekend, and I couldn't think of a better time. A uh, better place to spend it than right here in Knoxville. A little cool out there, but what a beautiful view we have of the Smoky Mountains. Real shitty weekend here in Asbury Park. It just, man, it's uh, rainy and actually cold for May. Like, we had the heat on. Like, what the hell's going on? You can't Weird. always get what you want, but we get what we need. So, yeah, it's a great weekend to be alive, I guess. Big Stones fan? Of course. Nice. Who isn't? Nice. <laughs> My my question is who isn't and people just kind of go silent. It's like, oh, well, all right. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, hmm, of course, who isn't? Yeah, yeah. hmm, only, only people with bad taste or no taste. How about that? Now, right. our topic today, I want to talk about you training Natty Nightheart. Before we even get into that, recently, as of last night, interviewed T.J. Wilson, Tyson Kidd, had a nice oh, conversation with him. All good stuff will be out further uh, on the two man power trip. Will be out there, but we you came up, of course, and he said you are the best. He said you are the best trainer, and never had a bad experience with you. He learned so much from you, and that so many guys have taken what they've learned from you, and like Brian Myers and stuff like that, and they use it with their guys. So he said, like your training is not just rock hard angle. It even goes to today MJF that because that's your training. Well, and, and that's very nice for TJ or anybody. And they uh, put you over on on anything, man. That's that's always cool. And uh, TJ is is one of those guys that uh, he had it in his heart from day one, so he was going to be good regardless. But that yeah, that's always nice to hear. And he's got a really good thing going on down in uh, uh, around Tampa these days. I guess you guys talked about that a little bit. Yep. Um, I, I don't know if you guys talked about the mother lover any, but uh, he's in there and he's one of our guys that made the trip down to Tampa specifically to uh, get a different uh, a change of location, a change of uh, scenery and went down to train with TJ and he's been there uh, every week for the last couple months and he's, he's getting seen around Florida and that's all due to uh tj and his dungeon down in florida and natty shows up lana shows up a lot of the wwe guys when they're they're off aren't off they go and see tj and natty and that's uh 
Uh, that's a real good thing he has down there. But it's always nice to hear when somebody says somebody something nice because that's not always the case. Just he kept know. saying that you're the greatest trainer of all time, and I, I said, and I said, no way. I said it's got to be Stu Hart. Just, yes. just joking, just joking around with him, obviously, because he's the last graduate of the Hart Dungeon. But just joking around, he said, he said, well, we'll say current, current best trainer. There or something. you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually met Stu, and he was. Uh, I met him at Paul Bosch's fiftieth. Anniversary in Houston, or and and uh, or his retirement party in Houston, and uh, I had always heard the stories about Stu saying, "Yeah, hey, let me show you here. Yeah, come here," and just let you uh, let him stretch you if you give him your 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 any limb on your body. But I wasn't going to do that. But uh, uh, it was kind of cool to meet Stu, and I th I would go on record as to say maybe he was one of the most uh, uh, one of the greatest and most prolific trainers of our time. Trained a few good guys, uh, you know, not only the hard boys, but a few others as well. Yeah, and I think, once again, you know, part of coaching and part of training, a, a huge part of it is all attitude. And and what you do in the ring is really that much of what the business is about and what life is about. I mean, it really comes down to attitude and, and the way you approach things. So um, I, I can be a horse's ass. I can yell and scream with the best of them. But um, I have my way of doing things, and everybody else has theirs. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. They'll let you say. They'll let you hear about it one way or another. And I'm I'm always happy to hear when when people have nice things to say, because it's not it's not a uh, a hundred percent in con in in conjunction with this agreement of we say this. There there is not an S in stone, uh, but it's always nice to hear. It. Did you ever go to Calgary? Did you ever go to Stampede? No, no. You know, my first year in the business, I, I look back on it, and uh, I was supposed to go to Oregon, Portland. And then Gary Hart came in like uh, the week before and said, no, you're going to go to Los Angeles first, and you're only going to stay two weeks, and then you're going to go to Portland. Yeah, wow, man, what an adventure that was. Uh, but I think if I would have been in Portland in 1980, I probably would have uh, migrated uh, up to Calgary because that was just a, a natural transition and guys that like Dynamite Kid were there uh, in Oregon at that time. So I missed out on on ever coming across Dynamite Kid too. Uh, had a great time in LA but at the same time uh, you know <laughs> either or. I, I wish I would have gone to Portland the first year though. Looking back on things. We talked about this months ago how so online it says you wrestle dynamite kid and you said that never happened so i guess it was maybe supposed to happen and it never happened or it was yeah. almost in the cards to happen but yeah, like you said never happened it was supposed to happen when he came back from japan most most of the guys not everybody but most of the guys stopped over in la and worked a show for for michael bell and i was supposed to wrestle uh dynamite in la at the olympic auditorium and never had the chance never never met dynamite kid never did Damn, one of the all-time best. Yeah, one of the all-time best. And, and certainly one of those guys that um, uh, I, I would put him almost in the category of a Buzz Sawyer, but but with a parenthesis around it because Buzz had that, that grit and that um, toughness and that bullying aspect. Uh, but if, if you worked with him in the ring and, and – you you could do everything he wanted to do and, and wanted you to do, then you were fine. And uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, 
understand guys like that. And, and I'd been in the ring with Manny Fernandez, uh, our, yeah, by that time I'd, I'd been around Manny Fernandez and Chavo Guerrero and, uh, some of those guys who, who were already <laughs> kind of throwing shots when they got their opportunity. So I was, I was not afraid of anything like that. And I, I would, would have welcomed the chance to, to get in the room with Donner, my kid, because he was one of the best. And, uh, I, I really would like to see, uh, what kind of match we would have had. Talking to my buddy uh, the other day about that, my kid, how he's probably one of the greatest technicians of all time. Maybe people don't say as much as they should, but it's got to be up there. Sure. Well, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I've seen some Tiger Mask Dynamite Kid and uh, Benoit Dynamite Kid matches. So, um, but once again, I, and that's that's another reason I say what we do in the ring is really that much of a business because here's a guy who possibly, most certainly, should be in in some Hall of Fame and definitely the WWE Hall of Fame, but. Outside the ring, maybe not so much. And uh, fair or not, that's that's life, and uh, you have to realize that, especially as we move on and 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 keep going forward. You can't just go out and uh, uh, treat people like crap backstage or in the ring. And if you do, and you don't make amends, then it's going to follow you. And even if you do make amends, it'll follow you. So. Um, we all make mistakes, and I think it's a, it's a shame that Dynamite Kid's not in the WWE Hall of Fame. Definitely has to do with attitude, right? Not being liked, him being you know getting a bad reputation, being maybe being a bit of a bully and stuff like that. It definitely did not help his case. Yeah, you know, punching Jock or, or whatever he did with Jock, him and Jock had a problem, and. Uh, Jock Rougeau. So, so uh, life happens, and and we go on with it. So, Dynamite moved on. Dynamite uh, is no longer with us, unfortunately. And I think the end years of his life uh, couldn't have been pleasure uh, to work to to be. He couldn't have been that nice to be around. But uh, you know, uh, it is what it is. Did you ever see that documentary that High Spots did with him a few years back? I'm not sure it was that one, um, but I saw one where he was living in an apartment in, in a wheelchair and his wife was taking care of him or his girlfriend, whoever it was. And it was a shame. It was sad to see such a guy like that who, uh, who could go out and do almost anything, especially for the day and time that he was, he was around. He and Liger and, uh, Tiger Mask and those guys, Fujinami. Fujinami, not so much of a fly flyer, but but he was in that category of the guys that could really go. Um, and it it really was a sad ending. Uh, I've, I've seen the video of him wearing his tights to the ring in Japan, and they're almost falling off him, and it just looks, uh, he doesn't look well. And again, that's, that's, that's I hate to see that. I always hated to see when our heroes get old and they're, they're, they become mortal right in front of us and, and human and all that stuff. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't want to see a 70 year old guy get in the ring and wrestle. I don't, um, as, as, as much as they may want to do it, there just comes a time when you have to, uh, have to say no, I think just my opinion, just me. So the documentary, basically it's like, 
when he, you know talking to him, he's you know he's bitter, he's older, he you know sad. But the guy who saved it to me was when they had the Bret Hart stuff because Bret basically chronicles and runs through Dynamite Kid's career better than Dynamite did, and he kind of saved it. He made it really good, and that's the part I really like. Is you know, they always say, "Oh, Bret's negative." He had nothing negative to say about, the, even though Dynamite and him had the, had their issues, but. Nothing negative to say about him. Very positive and basically ran through his career better than Dynamite did and made the documentary really good. So if anybody wanted well, to check then, it out. Then I nice didn't, yeah, I didn't see that documentary. Then I saw something else. There's been a few out there. Where yeah. Oh, Dynamite yeah, there's a couple. Man, but but I, I think Brett had a lot of respect for Dynamite Kid and, and, and a lot of respect for the guys who came through Calgary and weren't afraid to uh, to, to work hard and wrestle hard. And, and, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, you cannot deny that when he got in the ring, he left it all there. And, uh, man, you got to respect him for that that part. And uh, the rest of it, once again, we all make mistakes, and we only have one chance to do it. And uh, he did it his way. Right, wrong, or indifferent. And the thing with that is everyone always says, like, okay, Brad and Shawn Michaels led to – having the smaller guys get over and then the later generation will say thank you to Eddie and Ray Mysterio and stuff. But Brett says thank you to Dynamite because he's the reason that he was able to kind of, you know, there's always somebody in the generation before you that kind of paves the path for the quote unquote smaller guys. No, Brett is not small at all, but you know, that kind of wrestler, not the Hogan type, you know what I mean? You, you got to go from the generation of, of smaller guys where it kind of evolved to the more athletic guys. So he always gives credit to Dynamite. Well, I think, yeah, I think Dynamite was right around when Brett started. So I'm sure they they uh, uh, worked a lot. You know, hell, Dynamite married one of his sisters. So, of course, they worked a lot. Yep. And, and yeah, I, I think uh, uh, it's always good. To, it's always good to work with somebody that brings the best out of you. And and those are your best opponents. Those, those might have probably been your best friends in the business because you, you have that chemistry. You have that connection. And. A guy like Dynamite Kid and Bret Hart uh, going out there and not afraid to uh, to lay it in and, and understanding there might be a potato here and there and it's okay it's 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 gonna make it for a great match so I, I'm no doubt in my mind that Bret would praise Dynamite for everything he's done in the business with with a few exceptions of course. Now as far as today's topic, want to talk about Natalia Natty Nightheart and you training her and. and- being you know, a big part of her career but even before that obviously her lineage in wrestling is crazy her dad is, is jim the anvil Hart, very legend her grandfather obviously is, is Stu hart so she's a third generation wrestler on the female side the first ever that that that's happened obviously when you know you obviously you know her and her lineage but did you know the anvil very well uh, i knew jim a little bit when we were in in wwf at the time and um what a what a great personality what a great guy what a great uh overall personality to to have around and that's what made professional wrestling so great you had all these uh various characters and outlaws and and uh, gunslingers who who were going to go in the ring and take care of business and jim was was always um funny laid back and uh i i never had a harsh word with him he was always entertaining and uh i thought he could work so i knew jim briefly when we were there and uh then he left but he was always a great guy and as far as natty i met her when she came to deep south and 
you could tell her passion for for wrestling and you could tell that she really loved the business and um it's it's tough enough uh getting into it when you don't have any family but people don't understand when you have family or relatives in this business who have made it and big stars and and who uh have a name it it makes it even 10 times harder a lot of times because you're you're always asked to be compared or measured up to them and that's not fair uh but natty took it she understood it and she came in with her own agenda and i mean that in a very complimentary way her agenda was to get over her agenda was to uh, be the greatest wrestler out of the heart lineage and i think she's pretty much uh done everything she can to accomplish that she's never given up uh there were times she's been frustrated times she's been upset and times that no doubt she uh wanted to make her feelings known and and took a step back but then when she saw things weren't uh the only way to get things done was to step up and say something and she did and she was right in doing so so she's become a leader she was a leader in fcw when we were in tampa she was a leader in uh deep south when we were in uh mcdonough georgia so she, she understands that leadership role, and she doesn't abuse it. I've never seen her abuse it. In fact, she's done nothing but help. And she was a big influence on the Bella Twins when they were there. She was the one who uh, uh, helped both Bree and Nikki get better in the ring and get along backstage. And that's, that's a huge help uh, for a rookie when they come in. With her, is she easier to train because – her lineage, she already knows kind of what she's doing. Is it like a cakewalk, or is it you got to break her of some bad techniques or something like that? I don't, I don't know if it was uh, great because of her lineage. I think, I think she was taking to training and listening so well because it's just her. It was her personality. It was the way she was uh, uh, indoctrinated, I guess, into the business with her dad and her uncles and everyone being in it. Um, because I, I've seen both sides. I've seen some people who have been around it and from day one, uh, and, and thought they were naturals and they were anything, but, but Nanny was. And, uh, so I don't, I'm not so sure we can lay that at the feet of her family. I think because her family had this lineage and had this, uh, exciting, crazy life going on. I'm sure she noticed it, took it, took advantage of it and uh got into it but i don't think that's the only reason i think she had it uh, all the time in her heart and she knew what she wanted to do and she was willing to work for it not one time was she ever asking for favors or ever asking for the easy way out she never took the easy way out and she learned and she didn't have uh bad habits all she had was inexperience and you can't tell anybody about experience you just have to give it to them and then the way you get that is in the ring so she she was ready, willing, and able to get in the ring and uh, do what she had to do to get better. And she continues to do that today with uh, helping uh, down in Tampa with the guys when they're off. They come down to uh, the dungeon. I, I, I'm going to call it Dungeon South. And uh, get in there on their days off and get better. And Natty gets in with the people too. And, and she's, she doesn't have to. 
And that's where her passion lies. And that's where TJ's passion lies is, is giving back to the business and staying a part of it because it is a part of them and you, they can never lose that no matter what happens. It's, it's in their DNA. With Natty and, you know, with dungeon down South, you can't get more further weather wise than Calgary, Alberta, Canada and Tampa, Florida. I mean, yeah. No kidding. But, but again, that that's one reason why, in my opinion, Florida was a perfect, and, and if, at the same time, it had its uh, negatives, it, but, but it was a great place to train uh, people because the weather's nice. If you had an off weekend or whatever it may be, if you wanted to go to the beach, you could. It, it, Tampa was a perfect uh, big, small town is how I described it. You know, it was big enough to be a big city, uh, but it was small enough to, to have that feel of a small town, too. And, uh, you know, I, I always remember you had three bridges you could go over to get to St. Pete and get to the beach. And um, it, it, it was helpful for a lot of people's attitude. And I'm sure uh, Natty enjoyed it as well. She still enjoys it. They're, they're still there, and uh, that's where a lot of people from WWE like to live when you have that choice. The airport's easy to come in, easy to get out of, and uh, that's a big thing when you're flying out every week. So, yeah, I, I think I think you're, you're right. You know, between Calgary and Florida, I'm picking sunshine. Oh, yeah. yeah. And TJ was saying the, the dungeon, too, down there training, the, the mats that they would wrestle on. Once When they ripped them up, he finally saw how thin – they were, and, you know, right, right to the linoleum or the, the cement floor. I think that very, very thin mat. Crazy. Well, he has a ring there. You're talking about just the, uh, the he, mats on the outside? He was saying back in Calgary back in the day. Oh, yeah, In the yeah, actual yeah. dungeon, the basement, oh, wherever, the, like, yeah. Yeah, I've never I've never been in there, but I have seen the film of the dungeon and the low ceiling, and, mm -hmm. and it's, a, it's, a, it's a hellhole. It's a dungeon. Yep. And, you know, that was, that was exactly what it was. So, yeah, I the dungeon south has uh, a ring and it has uh, some people who are passionate about what they do and that's a that's a huge plus so with her you said you first kind of meet her in deep south is that right before they start uh, tearing deep south uh, to holy hell there and basically yeah. taking it to tampa yeah that well yeah it was uh gosh we were there i couldn't even tell you how long, but I, I know I had, I rented an apartment and, uh, I stood there during the week and I was, we had, we, you know, we were living in Sevierville, which is right outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. And I would go home on the weekends. Um, but she, she was there for the, uh, you know, for the beginning move of moving to Tampa. And I do remember when she came in and I do remember doing a match with her one time. I suggested for a finish, it was like a double roll up by the ropes and she would reach out and grab the, the second rope. She didn't feel comfortable doing it. And she said so, which was, which was great because you don't want someone to say, Oh yeah, yeah, I can do it. And then they can't. And then it looks horrible. So yep. it was better that she had something she was comfortable with. And uh, so right off the bat, I, I knew that she had a, a vision for what she wanted to do, how she wanted to be seen and portrayed, and she stayed true to herself. So uh, I, I think overall she's had a, a pretty damn good career too, being herself. And there have been ups and downs. There have been frustrations with her. But uh, 
uh, now is one half of the tag team champions, uh, her and Tamina. She's she's getting her just rewards, and it's been a tough year for everybody. But um, uh, you know, those who keep their head up and keep going are gonna keep going, and that's what she's doing. She's great at that. You think that her and Tamina winning the tag titles is almost like a respect thing? It's like, okay, you guys have been doing so great. You know, you've been here for so long. Not necessarily because it's Thunderdome. It's hard to tell who's over, who's not over. You know, that that's usually the barometer in the fans. Oh, they're getting over. You should give them the tag titles. Was this more of a, like a, you guys have done so great all these years? And Natalia literally going above and beyond and helping train people when she's not even really being paid to train people, really just helping people. It's just one of those things where it's like, okay, we, you guys really deserve to be rewarded, you guys are going to be the tag champ. Well, I, I don't know what the brain trust is thinking, obviously, but who else is better than to have an opportunity to be the tag champions and to lead? Because when you're the champions, you are the ones uh, out there now helping lead your opponents and lead the match and hopefully set the example. And, and Natty is a great example. She's always set the example. She's, uh, she's straightforward. Uh, she's always been honest, honest with me. And I'm, I'm going to say she's pretty much been honest with, with everybody in the office when they've uh, asked her to do something. And she said no. And when she's asked them about things, she stayed on it. And uh, I, I believe she has a, a, a lot of respect in WWE, whether giving Tamina and her daddy the titles out of respect, no question. But I don't think that was the only reason. I think that uh, as not only demonstrating how to lead with Tamina, they're also giving her a chance to help whoever they go in the ring with. And uh, man, I think that's that's a huge element that's missing today. Having people qualified enough uh, with enough experience to get in the ring and not only help your opponents, but help the partner you're, you're teaming with. And uh, I couldn't think of two better right now to uh, hold the title. So respect, yeah, most definitely. Was that the only thing that... that they took into consideration. I don't think so because she's been there a long time and she's proved herself. So that, and that goes a long way when, when you, when you show up for work week after week, um, and do your best and you're not a problem, you, know, you don't cause trouble, then there, people are going to notice it either way. If, if you are a problem and do cause trouble, they notice that and they notice the other things too. So I think she's worked her ass off and deserves it. With her and Tamina, it was interesting because I know we talked about WrestleMania 37 a few weeks ago, but they won that gauntlet match on night one. And then night two, they didn't win the tag titles, kind of when you thought they would, like the WrestleMania moment. So they kind of teased it and then saved it for a later SmackDown, where it obviously seemed like a bigger deal because of, of the context of the show. It was like the focus of that show was them. So I'm always curious, like, do you think that you rather win a Mania, get that Mania moment, or is it good to get that standalone win where the whole show and the focus is on you guys? Well, it's obvious when the focus is on you, it's, it's a lot better, in my opinion. WrestleMania, they work two nights, and um, I, I will I will text people WrestleMania week or prior to and, and just say, hey, have fun, good good luck, and, and whatever, and I always get a text back saying, yeah, we're working two nights, uh, anxious to hear what you have to say, and 
she and she's always positive, always uh, has that upbeat attitude and that can-do attitude, and that uh, uh, shuns the negativity when it's when it's time, especially. So I think it's better to to have the show and have the the titles focused instead of WrestleMania, where it was a plethora of events and and I don't I'm not so sure that the first tag match or the gauntlet match was well received Saturday night uh, it was it was a little clustered but when, when you get settled back down and, and get to go into your show and get get featured I think that's always better so she's preaching out she wants to see what you think you get some uh, high opinion high regard well yeah that, that's I, I think you always want to have somebody what do you think and uh, would you see, or did you, or, or just, just a, uh, great job, pat on the back or yeah, I loved it. Or, uh, what happened there? So, but, but I don't have to do that with her. And, uh, she, she's been very, a lot of guys, well, a few, but Natty's been the most consistent one always, uh, to make sure she stays in contact with, with the people she cares about and the people who, uh, she wants to stay in contact with uh, because it, it, as I've got older and, and gone through the business, they always say, if you get out with five friends, you're doing good. And I got out with one when I was wrestling and, uh, he's dead. <laughs> so now the people I've trained have become the people I'm interested. I, I mean, I've always been interested in the people I've trained, but especially the ones who've gone on and continue to do it and continue to to have the passion and she's always had the passion so yeah she'll text now and then and, and on big shows small shows whatever uh we talked about when she she had to do over an hour in the gauntlet uh god was it two years ago gauntlet match i think when it was she, two she or some it was it was a while yeah it was a while ago i'm, I'm bad with <laughs> i'm obviously bad with a lot of things but but she she sent me a very nice text saying, "Hey, we didn't r realize at the time we would have everybody do one hour draws in Tampa." And Kofi sent me the same thing. Um, one other person sent me the same thing. It just escapes me right now. But but Natty sent me a text saying, "We didn't realize it then, but we realize it now." You know, it prepared me to get mentally uh, in tune with going an hour. And that's all that is, is, is it, it's all about attitude. It's all about just getting in that frame of mind. If you're going to go an hour, I remember reading um, and hearing about guys who had to go Broadway, hour Broadway's every night. Dory Funk Jr. was a world champion. Flair, Harley Race, Briscoe. Uh, and, and Dory would divide the match up into 15-minute matches, in, intervals. You know, he would just, he would say, this is what I'm going to do in my 15 minutes. The first 15, the second 15. And he had it all the way down to uh, to an hour, and I thought that's that's genius because you don't think about going a whole hour. You think I got four 15-minute matches. It's still a long time, but once you get to the point where you can breathe and relax, take your time, and just just have confidence, have the confidence and the courage to go out there and just do it. Um, you you can't go wrong, and and Maddie didn't go wrong. She she did a hell of a job. It's funny, like to think, like when she first started, where where women wrestling, women's wrestling WWE was, and you know where it is now. Back then, it was very diva centric. 
all that kind of stuff. The Bella Twins, obviously, like you mentioned, like they're coming in, they're doing Diva Search, all this other kind of stuff. And now it's the women's division. It's much more focused on wrestling. When she first started and they were doing Diva stuff, you're like, man, she kind of doesn't fit like the Diva mold because she's a really good worker outside of what they're looking for as a quote-unquote Diva. Right. Well, here's here's what we saw. and that, Definitely what I saw. And uh, I know Norman, Norman Smiley saw this as well. Uh, we, we always, uh, how can I put this? We always saw, especially when the women's division became the divas division and the divas title, that there were women out there that, um, not only looked good and, and could talk, but they could get in the ring and wrestle. They could actually get in the ring and work. It was just during that period there was a man not a mandate but there was a uh a way of thinking i guess that this is what the audience wants to see and then we started getting uh women that wanted to work and look good and could connect with the fans connect with the male audience as well as the female audience and then slowly but surely that came back in, you know, before, as I was growing up, we had Betty Nikolai, Fabulous Moolah, um, <laughs> to, uh, Sue Green, and I love Sue Green. She's Texas Sue Green, but but they were badass women wrestlers. Natty was a throwback to uh, not only a, a really a good-looking, nice, um, badass woman wrestler who... You looked at her smile, you looked and saw, oh man, she, she's a really nice, attractive woman. And then you see her in the ring knowing she could kick your ass in a heartbeat. And she can. There's there's no discrepancy there. So Natty never lost the feel for what she wanted to do. I think she adapted where she had to adapt, but she put enough of her style and her attitude into the matches that she helped change the Divas division to the women's division it is today. Um, and she still continues, continues to go every day with a great attitude, even when she may feel uh, not the best to be there, but she always brings out the best and, and, and psychs herself up. And uh, that's what helped change the Diva division back to what it is today, the women's wrestling division. You have really nice, attractive ladies in there doing some really cool moves and some, some great wrestling and some great work. So we don't have the pillow fights. Don't have the, uh, uh, what was the other one? The jello? Broad panties. Panty bra. Oh, God. yeah. <laughs> so that's not happening anymore. And I think the culture's changed and society's changed, obviously. But Natty was around when that stuff was going on. And I, I think she might have seen it. I've never asked her about it. I think we had possibly one time, um, and it was in, in a town right outside of Tampa, not St. Pete, but, but somewhere else. And, and uh, the guy who ran the show wanted to have a bikini contest. And we had, I don't know how many ladies, at least 10. And a couple of them didn't want to do it. And I had mentioned, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. You don't have to do it at all. But they did. They went out and did it. And uh, But it, was, it wasn't it was what they wanted to do. And it wasn't what they were there for. And a couple of them told me that. And I understood. Uh, but I also understood where we were at at that time, especially with WWE. And therefore, 
the, the bikini contest and all that stuff. So, uh, but Nettie never gave me any problems, any trouble, any negativity about it. But I, I think all of the, the most, the majority of them, Naomi was in that one too. The majority of the ladies there at that time wanted to get in the ring, wanted to prove they could wrestle just like the guys, if not better, and add, uh, add what they add when they, when they're on the show. Is there like an edict from Vince at this point? Like, okay, she's got to be attractive and she's got to be able to wrestle. Or would he rather them just be attractive and eventually they'll learn how to wrestle? Like, what what's his like game plan? He wants to hire the good looking girls to make him good wrestlers or the other way around. They're good wrestlers, but they're also attractive because, you know, it's a TV business. You got to be able to, to be on TV. Well, and I've never heard a direct edict from Vince and, and, to be fair, I've never heard a direct edict from John Laurinaitis. Were there implications? Of course. But I, I, I believe when uh, all the ladies came in, everybody has their opinion about what's attractive and who's who. You know, beauty is only skin deep and, and beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We know all that, too. Uh, and, and there were some very, uh, what you would consider beautiful women uh, in some people's eyes, in the uh, <clears throat> stereotypical <coughs> eyes of society, the statuesque blondes, you know, 5'10", or whatever. And then you would have AJ, you know, or you have Natty, or you have Natal or uh, uh, Naomi. Naomi, thank you. And, and but yet, on some appearances, they would want these other uh, women. And, and to me, again, I have my own, my own way of looking at things, uh, but to me, it would have been better to have the entire packages like your Natties, Naomi's, AJ's. Um, your, your Bella twins were, were in the category of the divas, but they, they came over to the other side because Natty helped them. Uh, but there was no edict. There was no uh, mandate saying we had to have great looking women and go out there and do pillow fights. That wasn't the case. It was that you wanted attractive, you want attractive men and women. Uh, it's a body business. It's, it's a, it's a show business. And when you're taking off your, your clothes and going out there in, in just your underwear and boots, uh, you, you need to look in shape. And when I, when I was coming up, it was a totally different mindset. There were only a couple guys. And then all of a sudden, in the 80s, it changed. And, uh, well, I take it back because I was in the 80s. But when I was watching wrestling, my prototype of wrestler was the Jose Lotharios, the, uh, those, the, the, the Johnny Valentines, the Wahoo McDaniels. They were no bodybuilders. They were just rough, tough wrestlers who would get in the ring and, and <laughs> beat the hell out of each other. It had, it had changed, and by this time, when uh, the ladies were becoming divas, um, you still had your women who not only were attractive, but they could fight, and they could wrestle, and uh, I believe Natty was on the, the, she was probably the spearhead who, who made it, who helped it change, and she continues to do that to this day, and I think with the dungeon in Tampa, uh, it's, it's, I know it was a closely guarded secret for a while, and I know it's a very closed club. He wants to keep it exclusive to people who really want this and who are serious about this and not just 
talking because a lot of people talk to talk, but they can't walk the walk. And uh, I've heard, you know, Natty, Natty is, is training just as much as TJ is there. So I think it's a great thing that she came from where she came from, did what she did, and uh, continues on that path and is showing, uh, is, is the example that everybody wants to adhere to now. With her right before her, obviously it was like the Trish Stratus and the Lita really kind of turning it into, okay, they're really attractive. Oh, wow, they, they could both wrestle. I mean, you knew Lita was attractive or uh, athletic and attractive doing like moon, moon salts and stuff. So you kind of got a sense of her, but like Trish, you're like, oh, she's just a model or oh. And all of a sudden you saw her wrestle and obviously Finley played a, Finley played a big role. And you right. see them start to develop into wrestlers too or main eventing Raw and doing other stuff. So that was like kind of like the precursor to right when Natty started breaking in, right? I mean, that's kind of right around that, that time period. Well, you're right. Yeah, there, I... Uh, Totally miss uh, didn't didn't even think about Trish and and Lita, but you're right. She they they were uh, two of the greater lady wrestlers that were coming along too, and uh, attractive and could work, go out and have a hell of a match, and, and not have to do the bra and panty stuff. And uh, uh, although <laughs> although later on we saw what happened with uh, with all that stuff, but it, but society changes, the the business changes, and um, yeah, it's 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 great to see progress. It really, really is. When Natty is being trained, do you train her or any of the women differently than you would train the guys, or they're all mixed in together? You train them exact same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Norma Smiley was uh, the one who took over the divas or the or the women's in Tampa. But when I trained them, uh, same thing with the girls, with guys. No, I, I don't believe in giving anybody any special treatment. Uh, unless you're hurt, unless there's something we have to accommodate for. But when you're training, in my opinion, I don't think it works if you have men and women together. I don't think it works if you favor one over the other or you treat them differently in training. Uh, I, I, I didn't, and I know Norman didn't either. Norman's a great, by the way, Norman Smiley, you want to talk about one of the great trainers in, in the business. Norman Smiley, let me go on record saying that guy. Is, is a hell of a trainer, one of the greatest trainers. I will say that. Where did like that relationship come from with Norman? Just to kind of go off a little bit of the beat, but just was curious. I know obviously from WCW, but who kind of makes that transit, like the transition or, or the him into that trainer role down in Florida? Is that like a Steve Curran thing? Like how did he kind of get in there? Well, Billy Kidman had come along, and uh, I think John Laurinaitis asked Billy because Billy was living in Tampa around that time, and uh, he suggested Norman. And John said, "Of course, Norman had the temperament. Norman had the the he had the ability. He wrestled in Mexico for years. Uh, he wrestled in England. He wrestled in WCW. Uh, he had a sound fundamental foundation. He knew the basics. He understood." what we were looking for um he 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 had the temperament he had the attitude and <laughs> anybody who's ever trained uh for over over five years will tell you it 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 takes a lot of um good patience and temperament because not everybody's cut out for this and um i i could make people cry and not intentionally, but just because, because I can 
I can deliver what I need to deliver to you in, in, in ways of this is what you need to do. And if you can't do this, we're going to try something else. But if you can't do that, then maybe it's time to reconsider what you're doing because this isn't easy. If you can't get this or you can't get that, then there ain't no more. And I would have sometimes uh, a lack of patience, but I would be patient too. And Norman, I, I never saw Norman lose his patience with, with the, the, the kids, but one-on-one, -on -one, of course he would go off. And of course we'd, we'd commiserate because it's not easy. And it's not easy coaching either. You, you have to, you have to look, when I say we treat everybody the same, uh, you still have to look at the strengths and weaknesses. If someone is excelling here, of course, if they have a, an aptitude and, and they show that they can grasp something, of course, we're, we're going to put them over here. We're going to work on this. But if you have somebody who can do absolutely nothing and is just looking to get in because they want to be a star, um, that doesn't cut it. You have to have something. You, you've got to have something you can do, something to build a foundation on, something that we can say, all right, she may not be able to arm drag, but I tell you what, she can do a great headlock takeover and she knows how to call a spot. Okay, if that's that small, we'll do it. Uh, but sometimes it, they can't even do that, and and I've seen it. And sometimes you know we do a drill called man in the middle, and that's that can be brutal, especially if you've never done it. And that can go for an hour, hour and a half. I can make it go two hours. I've made it go two and a half hours before. That's brutal. But you just have to learn how to breathe, and I'll watch and I'll see where you're at, and I'll keep asking, "Are you okay? Do you want to keep going?" It's all up to you. It's all up to them. And that's that's the case where you find out where people really want to or they don't. Uh, everybody gets tired. Everybody blows up. No doubt about it. But you have to learn how to breathe. And you have to learn the simple things. And these are just basics. These are just, this is just common things. <laughs> Once you get, if you can't get this, there is no way you can get that. And, and you want to be on TV on national global audience? No, no, you have to, you have to have this first. And uh, so anyway, going back to your question about, do you uh, teach the guys the same as the girls? Yes. And we also teach uh, when the guys are stronger here, we accent that when they're weaker here, we don't. Same thing we do to the ladies. So. With Natty, she gets called up obviously you know they put it with tj kind of at first does her own thing for a while eventually will become the divas champion did you always kind of foresee her like okay this is going to be great for her as soon as she gets called up they're going to see how good she is she's going to be a divas champion did you always kind of think that for her yeah I, I i thought i knew with her attitude uh because she was a strong lady but she knew the business and she knew how to uh, conduct herself backstage and she knew how to conduct herself out of the ring away from the arena so yeah I had a pretty good idea that she was going to be uh, making inroads and making waves once she got established and it takes but, but once again it takes time to get established no matter who you are in, in any locker room or any backstage setting, no matter what your name is, no matter where you came from, especially the ones who have a name 
are especially zeroed in on because they want to see how you're going to act. We've had, I've, I've seen it, second, third, fourth generation wrestlers who have come to WWE and I was in charge of training them and I've explained to them, you need to be a little low key. You, you don't need to come in with grandiose uh, ideas and, and all these this this attitude that, that is uh, oozing out of you. You need to chill for a minute, man, because they will eat you alive. And Nettie didn't do that. Nettie, Nettie understood that. I didn't have to tell her that. But, um, you know, after, after, what was it? One second generation guy came back and had one match, uh, stunk the joint out, and came back and was blaming it on the other guy can't do that. You can't do that. Whether it's his fault or not, you don't do that in your first match. I don't care who you are. Uh, there's, there's a process to it. And the agent will tell you whose fault it is. And the agent will talk to you. You don't talk to anybody else, man. You you, you learn. And I didn't have that problem with Natty. Seems like she's a special breed as far as being a good worker, being able to do all this other stuff, but also training a lot of the women or giving them advice or helping them. She always seems to be that kind of reliable, you know, Undertaker-esque, I guess you could say, you know, backstage presence as well. Yeah. She she took care of her mom and dad, uh, loved her mom and dad dearly, and she has always been the responsible one, <laughs> I think, uh, in the family, uh, whatever it may be. But I don't know if that's true, if she's the only one or not, but she's certainly one of the responsible daughters in that family. And she has this genuine genuine personality she is authentic uh, away from the ring as well as in the ring when they came we, we opened up in 2019 jpwa and uh just we've been one been open one week and and ww was coming to town natty contacted me and said hey would you like to get together before the show let's go have coffee whatever then the day of the show, or the day before, she says, we'd love to come by and see the, the school. I said, great, great. Well, she came by. Then she called Sasha Bailey, and they stopped by and saw one of our girls, Kenzie uh, Page. Kenzie's 16 years old. She's now 18. Uh, she's had some shots on AEW. She, she's doing her rounds. She's, she's paying her dues. And Natty has always been there to help her for encouragement, texting, call, whatever it may be. And she doesn't have to do that. But she cares, and she's been one of those uh, pillars of the of the women's division. And one of the sturdy ones, the ones that you can trust and go to. And Kenzie's told me this before, that Natty's always encouraged her and sent her texts and, and just been there. And I, I don't know how many of the, of the other women do that. But I know, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, from my experience, Natty does. So uh, she's always been great with us and great in my book, no doubt. With her, finally wins the, the big title, the SmackDown Women's World title. Not that the Divas title wasn't big, but the SmackDown Women's World Championship several years ago. And that was kind of basically long overdue as just far as really giving her the title. Like kind of what we said before, it's not like we're respecting, but it's like, man, 
she worked so hard. She helped everybody else out. She definitely deserves a run with the title. It's almost like it, it's got to happen. You know what I mean? And it did several years ago on SmackDown. But I felt like definitely was overdue. No, no doubt about it. Well, yeah, and and it happens like that sometimes. Uh, and, and the key is, how do you react to it? Um, do you do you hide your head in the sand? Do you get mad? Do you throw something? Or or do you keep going forward? Do you keep uh, looking for that next opportunity and keep making that next opportunity happen and and giving them no opportunity no opportunity giving the office no opportunity to say no because you are the best one for that gig and when they put the women's title on her uh, on Natty uh, she was and is the best one for that gig so She's proved herself time and time again, but you're only as good as your last match. And she continues to do that, and she knows that. She understands that. And some people don't. They they, they want to rest, and they want to just... And the one thing I really admire and respect about Natty uh, is, is the fact that she has never just rested or wanted to rest. She's always wanted to get better. She's always wanted to be an influence positively on other talent and uh she wanted to be whether she realized this or not a leader in the back and it happened it happened organically it wasn't something that she demanded it's just something that came to her and i think it's uh uh it was that subconscious uh knowledge that she knew the right things to do and when to do them and that's that's a talent in itself. And I tell you this, the all the ladies on both Raw and SmackDown are doing themselves a grave injustice if they don't seek Natty out. And if they don't, she's been there, done that. Uh, she knows the power of players. She's got a great relationship with fans. She's got a great relationship with the office. That's, that's uh, immeasurable for your career you have to know how these things work and you have to know the people that made them work and that is certainly one of them especially for this uh ladies division what do you think like when it's like all said and done for her and she retires and probably becomes a trainer or, or something to, to that fact where she's going to be definitely helping the next generation but what do you think of like her legacy is on wrestling because it's Kind of big. She came along at a time where they were the divas, and now they're the women's. She went through the whole gamut there for many, many years. Now she's kind of cementing her her place. So, what do you think her legacy is? Ah, uh, she's she's certainly going to be known as one of the greatest women wrestlers of all time. Uh, you know, Brett likes to say the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. I think that suits Natty to a T, and she can back it up with all with her resume and all the things she's done in her career uh it it, it kind of reminds me when when someone asked me like that it reminds me of a guy like kane i always hear jr say kane was never a problem he was a model employee and he was standing right next to the undertaker and uh you know prior to that he was <laughs> a dentist he was a fake diesel he was all this stuff until until and he got the right mentor and he got the right people in his ear and he knew the right things to do he knew what was right for him and he knew what was wrong so if he refused anything 
uh, it proved to be the right choice. And I think Natty's along those same lines. When you talk about uh, who are the ones, especially in this modern era, you know, Trish and Lita have, have moved on. They still come back, but they moved on. Natty, I think, will always be a constant, even, even when she stops wrestling, because I do believe she has a passion for training and helping and passing knowledge along. So I, I truly believe her legacy is going to be one of the, uh, the greatest women wrestlers of all time. No doubt about it. And uh, that's a great ending point, great way to stop it. Now let's talk about your book, A Pro Wrestling Curriculum Advice, Suggestions, and Stories to Help the Aspiring Pro Get to the Next Level. Dr. Tom, where can they get this awesome book? What a great, awesome book. You can get that book at uh, jpwrestlingacademy.com. Right on the front page, if you click that uh, uh, gimmick, the 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 uh, logo, the image, that's what I'm trying to say. It'll take you right to it, and uh, you can get it also on jpwrestlingacademy.com. We have all the new classes coming up. We uh, start back July 5th, I believe. No, I think it's July 5th. It's, it's on the website, jpwrestlingacademy.com. We are in our ninth week tomorrow starting uh, our class. We go to 12 weeks, we take a week off, and then we start back. So jpwrestlingacademy.com. Not sure how many times I've said that, but that's where you need to go. Also go to Pro Wrestling Tees, prowrestlingtees.com. Check out the JPWA store or check out the Dr. Tom Pritchard store, Wanted Dead or Alive. is an awesome shirt on there. Probably the best. Love that one. Also, like you said, you go to jpwrestlingacademy.com. You can also go to Twitter and Instagram for me at Two Man Power Trip. Check out my website, tmptempire.com. And for Dr. Tom, it is Dr. Tom Pritchard on Twitter. Dr. Tom, anything else you got going on? <sighs> got a busy summer coming up but uh, i think we can talk about that next week because it is memorial day weekend and then next week we will be in june but i have a, a shot coming up in new england uh, west virginia uh a couple other places so we can we can list all that and make sure you get them next week did you by any chance see either one of the ultimate warrior documentaries <laughs> I saw, I saw Dark Side of the Ring. I sure did. Um, and uh, you know, I was there in Memphis when when he and Sting came for the first time. Really, and, I didn't realize oh, yes. that. Okay. Yeah, I was there when they were there for like uh, three weeks. I don't think it was that long. And um, nobody wanted to work with him. Nobody liked him. And I, I just, I just got a text before we went on uh, with this. Somebody asked me if I if I had seen uh, the Dark Side of the Ring Warrior, and, and he said, "Man, nobody liked him, and nobody did." But you know, it, it, it's a strange thing because Gino Hernandez was a was, was was a complete jerk his entire career, but then there were moments when Gino was was kind of laid back and genuine. You caught him off guard. He wasn't. Uh, trying to meet Gino, he was he was really laid back. And and I saw that a little bit with the Warrior because I was also there when he made his return and working with Triple H. And he said hello to me and then said, Oh, you remember those times in Memphis? Trying to get a conversation started because he knew he was out there on his own. Why? Why would you want a conversation with me? Don't know. But he tried. And, and I said, Yeah, those were some good times. And we had maybe a brief 
uh, one minute talk, and that was it. I thought, yeah. I, you know, you you got to put the truth out there, no doubt. But do you have to put everything out there? I don't know. Uh, a lot of I don't see that anything they said on Dark Side was wrong or untrue. I think they they pretty much got it right. So from what I knew about the Warrior. All right, just was kind of curious if you saw it. The A and E one I liked, and the Dark Side obviously was 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 good too. And you know, I got you know honest, I guess to a point. But uh, well, I he's, seen he's the, the yeah, I haven't seen the A and E one. I heard that was a little brutal. Was it more brutal than Dark Side? No, there were points where some of the guys were were brutal to him, but I don't think it was as bad as Dark Side was. Pretty negative, I thought I would say overall. A and E was was trying to be more positive, and well, obviously Dana Warrior was on there, kind of pumping him up. They definitely tried to be more positive. Okay, well, I mean, I haven't seen the destruction of the Ultimate Warrior either, and I heard that was just uh, oh brutal, flat out terrible. Except so for Jericho, except for Jericho and Brooklyn Brawler, it is it's they ripped him apart. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, that happens. Crazy, but uh, anybody who hasn't seen it, go see it, and I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in this week. We'll see you right back here next week for Take You to School with Doctor Tom Richard. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.